The pandemic has opened nurses' eyes to seek out new careers in nursing. We always get more questions about what other opportunities there are in nursing other than working at the bedside. Both of us have our master's degrees and it has afforded us career advancement, flexibility of schedules, and work-life balance. Going back to school is always an option. And Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. They're consistently ranked top in the U.S. for diversity and highest paid graduates. In order to help nurses advance their education during these crazy times, they are offering over a dozen different types of easily obtainable scholarships, starting at $10,000 for any nurse who enrolls in the spring 2022 semester in either their online MSN FMP or DNP FMP programs. So visit them at smumsn.com. Again, that is smumsn.com. Hello, is this thing on? Do you think they can hear us? Nah, let's say it again. Hi, and welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion related to health and healthcare. My name is Amy. And my name is Sarah. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or any other podcast listening platform, don't forget to subscribe so you can get updates to when we have our latest episodes. Also, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you like what you're hearing and you love our advocacy work, don't forget to go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the donate button. As little as $1 or $2 a month for a total of $12 a year will help us with our monthly podcast costs such as website hosting, our hosting platform, audio equipment, and the time and energy it takes us to put out good quality episodes. We thank you and we appreciate you. Hi and welcome everyone. Thank you again for tuning in this week to the Greeners podcast. Again, I think we have a really wonderful guest. We haven't had guests in a little while, so this is fun again. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and let Sarah introduce our guest. Yeah, and as always, I think this guest you'll find very unique and interesting. She's got a very unique background. So Jennifer is our guest today. She completed her Bachelor of Science in Nursing at the University of Alberta in 2001. She has worked on the medical unit, cardiac cath lab, neurotrauma ICU, General Systems ICU, and Coronary Care ICU. In 2009, Jennifer applied to law schools and received an early acceptance at Schulich School of Law at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. After completing her law degree, she started her articles at a large downtown law firm where she primarily practiced personal injury defense work and defending nurses in medical negligence cases. After a few years of private practice, she made the change to work in public law at the BC College of Nurses and Midwives. She currently holds the position of legal counsel in the Inquiry, Discipline, and Monitoring Department. Welcome, Jennifer. We're so glad to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. I think this is a really interesting background you have because we often hear of nurses who have left the bedside, but typically they go to other areas of nursing or public health or something that's nine to five, but you actually completely left nursing and you're in law now. What kinds of reactions do you get when you tell people that you used to be a nurse? Well, I think that there's some surprise. What people who are interested in, you know, it's the first question people ask you, hi, how are you? What do you do? 
And for a long time, it was hard for me to say, oh, I'm a lawyer, because being a nurse had been such a huge part of my identity for such a long time. So I would frequently say, hi, uh, I'm a lawyer, but I'm still a good person. I used to be a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it's like, oh, no, you went from the most caring profession to the like, most, um, I don't know if I should say anything. (laughs) Controversial. (laughs) Controversial. Yeah. Like, I mean, we have ideas in our head about what law is but like I have a couple friends and I think Sarah has some friends that are lawyers too but it's just kind of like how do you go from being like you know from the caring profession to like I think that you got to be from my understanding for some of my friends kind of kind of cutthroat in terms of how the law works too I think mm-hmm. you're you have a little bit more of a mercenary kind of bent depending on the yes. kind of law that you practice <laughs> I think the assumptions people make about lawyers are that while they may be smart, they're argumentative, they can be bullies, and they're only interested in money. And I can tell you with great assurance, 99% of lawyers aren't like that. But there's that perception in the public media, just like there's perceptions about what nurses do in general popular media that, you know, if you watch Grey's Anatomy, all you do is cry in a cupboard. You don't actually do anything. (laughs) (laughs) We don't do any work. We just cry. Yeah. Cry or get to sleep with Dr. McDreamy, but that wasn't my experience (laughs) as a nurse, so I don't know. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I guess it was a bit of a a huge pivot away from nursing to completely leave the field, and it was something that was not a snap decision. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, today I write my LSATs. It was a period. It's like a process of deciding what you want to do and what you're going to keep on doing. And for me, the impetus of that decision kind of came in my early 30s, because I thought now's the time to make a change if I'm going to make one uh, before you get locked into, you know, maybe not being as attractive as a candidate in a new program or in a new career. Um, People make assumptions about where you are in your life when you're a woman. Oh, she's just going to leave and have babies. So she's not attractive as a candidate. So I really felt like, yeah, yeah. I felt the time was right and I felt stagnant nursing. And I hate to say that because nursing, you know, with an afterglow looking back, I think I have a little bit more of a cherry vision of it than perhaps it always was. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think a lot of listeners, myself included, are wondering what started this gradual change or what that process was like for you? Yeah, for sure. So the majority of my career had been in critical care. And when I nursed in Alberta, I worked at a downtown hospital that was very busy, tertiary care, a lot of neurotrauma at the time. And I felt, I think, to some degree, what a lot of ICU nurses feel is a bit of moral distress at the prolongation of death rather than necessarily appropriate treatments, timely interventions for those who need them, but perhaps, you know, not as much of an awareness about dying well, dying with dignity and, um, you know, the removal of, frankly, pain inducing treatments that typically don't improve survivability or quality of life. And after a period of time, you just start to feel some moral distress over that. And you wonder like what you're really doing with your life. Of course, there's those great stories and the wonderful saves and the really meaningful um, interactions you have with everybody, your patients as well. But that was weighing on me. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'm just stuck here in Edmonton. How about I move to Vancouver? I have friends there. It's the coast. No more minus 30 winters. 
And then I continued in my ICU career and, and shifted things about. I thought maybe I'm just unhappy in um, this general systems neurotrauma ICU. So why don't I go try out coronary care? The patients don't stay as long. They tend to go home. The survivability is often better. And that was great. Learning something new, again, sparked that desire in, to keep on nursing. That was exciting to learn um, you know, one system really in-depthly and feel like you're mastering new material. It isn't the same thing day after day. But then again, that gradual dissatisfaction kind of crept in. Uh, then I went to the cath lab and again, a whole new set of skills to learn. And your patients went home after their cath. I honestly, I didn't know what to do about that half the time. I thought, oh, are they going to be okay? They're not on a monitor anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, that was really rewarding and, and great too. And then I just thought, is this what I'm going to keep on doing? I'm a bedside right. nurse. I like it. Where is there for me to go? And then you consider, do you want to become an educator? Do you want to move into management? And that just wasn't appealing to me personally for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, I'd done in charge over summer months or, you know, to fill in sick leave uh, from a manager. And I just thought, what a thankless job. I just right. don't think no, that's uh, yeah. I agree with you. I, I can sympathize. Agree. We've been there. Yeah. And, and I had one manager, so I had filled in for, in a manager role in the, in a cath lab area for, you know, a number of weeks. It was, and there was a big transition in the unit. It was, there was a lot of change. Sometimes nurses are resistant to change. It's hard to get on board with doing things differently. And it was challenging from dealing with the doctor's point of view, dealing with staff point of view coordinating this change and just the day-to-day -day managing of your peers when you're not really a manager. When that period of time was over and I just returned to bedside nursing, the big kahuna, the more manager-manager person of the unit wanted to speak to me about my experiences. And I was frank in sharing what they were, what the challenges were, what I thought I had done well. And the feedback I got from her it's interesting because she said, you know, you're very strong and clear and organized. And while that's great, that can also be a real detriment. Oh, and, dear. You know, you got the, you were a boss like we asked you to, but you were a woman who was a boss in a way that didn't make pe people feel comfortable. And we don't like that. Oh, that's so annoying to hear. Yeah. So frustrating. That is bullying. <laughs> and why, why, why does this continue to happen? Like instead of that being a celebratory moment, right? Instead of that being like, you know what? Thank you for taking on that leadership role. Thank you for showing, you know, the grit that and the resiliency that it takes because working as we, we, we agree with you, like nursing management is definitely a thankless job, <laughs> And the fact that, you know, you had to take that that extra piece on, like, and they weren't respectful, they weren't thankful, and that they, you know, use the fact that, you know, that's not how women want to be seen. Women should be polite, and they should be poised, and they should be respectful, and they shouldn't raise their voice. It's a bunch of bullshit, and I'm sorry that you had that experience. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a real blessing in disguise for me, I think, yeah, though, no, I because you. I think especially nurses are typecast in this yes, sir, no, sir, three times, sir. And that's not what nursing yep. had been for me. And it had never, that would not have been appreciated by my colleagues or the physicians that I worked with. I never had beefs with physicians. I always had right. good, to my mind anyways, 
maybe we should ask them, but I always felt like I had good interactions <laughs> with them. And I was happy to receive feedback on what I could improve on. I don't mean to sound like I couldn't tolerate an appropriate amount of feedback from a manager who perhaps could coach me to perhaps be right. more effective, but there was no offer of coaching. It was, right. don't be as clear, direct, and concise. And I thought, you know, if I was a man, if I was a nurse who was a man, I don't think this is the feedback I would be receiving. And if exactly. my right? And if my strengths aren't going to be an asset for me here, where will they be? And so that was a bit of a kick in the pants. To be honest, it was in the next two months I filled out the paperwork to apply to law school and to write my LSATs. So I thank that manager. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I hear you because nurses should be clear and concise and, you know, be able to do all those things. And I think that there are probably going to be many nurses in your position where it's kind of like they have that aha moment. And I think nurses are seeing this during the pandemic too, where it's just like nursing is thankless, right? And we're starting to see that, you know, as much as we're supposed to be the most respected, most trusted profession, that it's not really viewed that way. And mm -hmm. we, we have a huge problem that we have to deal with. And you know what? Good for you to, to take that on and say, you know what? This 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 is a light bulb moment. This is this is actually that this lady gave me an opportunity to do something different with my life. And you know, I've had those aha moments. I'm sure Sarah's had those aha moments. They still come mm -hmm. in. It's just like, okay, what what what's next? What's the next evolution? So, you know, I'm glad that you took the step because I'm sure that your journey is a very interesting one. Could you tell us a little bit more about like, so how did it, how did it progress from there? So, you know, you had that impetus to say, I need to do something radically different here. And you went and wrote your LSATs. Now, now I've heard the, the horror stories from some of my friends. It's like, oh, I wrote the LSAT like three times. And then my husband was a philosophy student. So he had to study logic. And I remember opening the book and be like, what is this? Talk us through that thought process. So how, so that time where you got the, yes, I need to change and to, to the journey of getting into law school, what did that all look like? You know, that unfortunate conversation with my former manager really just taught me that the way forward is not another lateral move. So I had already done that, right? I had been in Edmonton and thinking, I'm dissatisfied. What is it? Let's go move to Vancouver. I'll move my job around a few times there. And, you know, after five, six years, you're just like, the lateral moves are not meeting my needs. But what is it that I want to do? And I'd always been one of those people that's a little foggy on that. I'm lucky. I've done well in school most of my life. And so I thought, okay, I'm not an idiot. I can do stuff. I've done lots of stuff in nursing. You need a brain to be a good nurse. But what is it about my current job that I really do like? And what is it that I'm dissatisfied with? And so... I literally, this is before I was on my computer 24-7, had a pad of paper and did pros and cons. And so the pros about nursing are portability, about how with the same set, with the same degree, you don't have to go back and retrain for a lot of things. You can dramatically change your day-to-day. -day. So that was really attractive to me. And I thought, what other job or what other degree can I obtain where I get a bucket of skills that give me a lot of choice about where I end up down the road. And, you know, right. law checks all of those boxes. So don't get me you know, interested. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do a hard sell. Uh, but, 
but law gives you another toolkit and the ability to use that degree in almost any way you can put your imagination to. So you think who's in government? A bunch of lawyers. Who writes policy? A lot of times a bunch of lawyers. Who is involved on boards of trade or, you know, on societies, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a lawyer or two or three or four. So And then there's all the areas of law that you can work in. You can be a solicitor. You can just deal with tax law. You can do animal rights law. You can do social justice law. You can Mm. do maritime (laughs) law, fisheries law. You can spend, or like me, I spend my entire day dealing with a single piece of legislation and working in a regulatory setting, which isn't, you know, running off to court uh, like Ally McBeal did in the 90s every three seconds. (laughs) But- But I'm still lawyering. I'm still practicing law. So the flexibility and the ability to use a law degree in a lot of different ways. And for that matter, if I got bored with what I'm doing to make another lateral change to try something else, it's all there. And I had friends who were lawyers and I went and talked to them and I asked them for some advice. uh, What drew them to law school? They knew me fairly well. Did they think I'd be a successful candidate? And I just sought that feedback from trusted friends. And that was really kind of pushed me further along. And then it was a matter of how do I apply to law school? How do I write an LSAT? What should I do? What is this? And just doing all of that research um, finally led me to, I think, two o'clock in the morning after a set of night shifts to just fill out all those applications and write that personal essay. And, you know, I was really lucky. I think there was a lot about the process I wasn't as aware of as I probably ought to have been. And I think somebody was holding a horseshoe up for me because I was accepted at Schulich School of Law at Dalhousie. I packed my bags and went across the country. So, uh, (laughs) So coast to coast. (laughs) That's amazing. You know, I think that is That is such a great story. And I think, you know, there's a lot of nurses that'll be listening and even other healthcare professionals that that feel stuck, that really feel stuck during the pandemic and are seeking out other alternatives and other options. And I think hearing your story will be kind of maybe, maybe that impetus for them to make that change as well. But another question. So you kind of touched on it a little bit that, you know, there were some translatable skills. So do you use any of the skills that you learned as a nurse in your current profession? Well, I think it's fair to say I do every single day in my current role. But backing up just a bit, I did work in private law for quite some time. And I'll I'll just speak to the fact that I was also uh, quite a mature student compared to some of my cohort at law school. I was easily 10 to 15 years older than some of them because there's some super, super, super smart people who know right away that they want to go to law school. And so they finished, you know, their undergrad and then they're sitting in room 105 at Schulich, right uh, at Weldon, you know, sitting there um, starting their law degree. So I was in my early 30s when I started law school. So I had a bit of a different perspective and I had had a job, which makes you grow up in a lot of ways, probably differently than other people who haven't had that experience. So, you know, I was happy I got through law school and I graduated. And then when I was hired to article at a downtown law firm, I think the reason why they kept me on as an associate was simply because of my nursing skills. I was not a good lawyer out of the doors. It is a skill that you have to practice like any other skill. I had spent 
15 years writing half sentences and acronyms and bad handwriting that nobody could (laughs) understand. And now, so that was one thing I had to learn how to write a proper sentence again, not to use the passive voice. Things don't just happen. People make them happen. So making sure I put a noun in every sentence was something that made the partner who supervised me literally bald uh, by the end of my <laughs> articling year. I would get my work back and it would be just a mass of markings. And there were many tears shed in my articling student office. But where why I got hired and the partner who hired me was very frank. He's like, Uh, I do a lot of personal injury and you can read all the medical records in a fraction of the time. And you're going to understand the context of a purported injury. You're going to be able to uh, call BS on somebody who was in a low velocity motor vehicle accident and didn't spill their coffee, but now say they're disabled for life and want a multi-million dollar payout. He's like, that's what I want from you. So that got me through articling and got me my first job in law. And then I learned how to lawyer. And uh, that is a tough, rocky road. It is not easy to go from being a very proficient and confident person in your career to knowing absolutely nothing. And uh, really being a beginner learner again is a challenge. And you have to really leave your ego at the door uh, because it really takes a bruising. Um, But... But you get through it and it helps you to grow and you're learning new skills every day and you're learning new things every day. And those first years in private practice, you know, you would get to be an expert on brake pads on a five ton truck. Like who wants to know that? But it's weirdly interesting depending on the case or you're doing a a cross-examination in an examination for discovery of a plaintiff who's a security guard. And I'm like, well, tell me about your job. So you get weird insights into all different avenues of life that perhaps you didn't before. So I really liked that ongoing learning. Mm -hmm. But uh, so those were some of my translatable skills. That and I wasn't shy. Uh, Didn't upset me to ask deeply personal questions of strangers. I had spent 15 years asking people deeply personal questions. I was going to say, yep. (laughs) Right? Difficult conversations, yeah. Difficult conversations, deeply personal, intimate tasks with, you know, your patients sometimes who rely on you 100% to talking to their families, difficult goals of care discussions, or frankly, breaking bad news that somebody's passed away. That was work that I felt confident in those skills. So knowing that you're smart, that you're empathetic, which I think is a life skill no matter what job you're in, and just to listen well, I think is something also nurses have to do that a good lawyer ought to do. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's so insightful. I think that what you described is just what a lot of us are wondering, right? A lot of nurses that are stuck are just, they're really afraid just to make that change. It's not that people don't want to try something new, but especially when you're in a profession that relies heavily on seniority uh, and, you know, that sort of thing, the stability of having a job that you know you can rely on that's full time. I think that's very difficult for anyone to fathom doing something else, but you've done it and you have made it through on the other side and you survived. So that's a really great story. I'm just wondering on the flip side, are there things that you regret about leaving the world of nursing that you can share with us? 
Yeah, I think that there are. I think when you change careers, you do experience a bit of loss as well. So you pointed out a few things that also uh, fueled some of my desire to move. So while the job stability was fantastic, knowing that you had a pension was fantastic, knowing that if you got in a car accident, there would be long-term disability there for you uh, if you needed it, fantastic. The flip side is it's not a meritocracy. So sometimes you're working with a nurse who may be more senior than you are, who's scooping up that Christmas holiday every single year, and Mm -hmm. you're not getting your first choice for vacation. You're not being rewarded for perhaps being a better nurse. That's was a bit of the kick in the pants to want to try something new too, to be honest. But that stability is definitely was very scary to set aside. Leaving a pension, leaving a decent salary job that did carry, uh, you know, a great deal of respect from peers when they met you, very difficult. And then you move into a career where not only, in my case anyways, I was going to school full-time for three years, which meant I wasn't earning any salary except for the shifts I picked up. I did get hired out in Halifax to, you know, (laughs) sit at a CVICU bed, you know, one night shift a week. I would just not sleep one night a week during law school, you know, just to make, to survive. But you leave your second degree with a great deal of debt. You... Uh, are not guaranteed that you're going to have a job at the end. You can be fired without cause. It's really, and then there's the, you know, you have to produce, 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 produce to be seen as valuable, particularly in the firm kind of culture of law. So that was difficult. I think I'm just paying off my student loan, you know, line of credit debt this, this year. And I've been, you know, practicing law since 2014. So that is something to consider. And I think I was lucky in being able to take that choice because I wasn't married and I didn't have kids at the time that I took this choice. I realized that the metric is very different for people who are perhaps caring for an elder parent or another family member or their children or have a spouse that also relies on their income. Because let's be honest, nobody lives off a single income in Canada anymore. Right. So you have to that's those are real considerations but not everybody if you want to change your job has to go to law school i mean that's a little right. nutty there's a lot of other avenues to explore and other you know careers that are waiting for you to use your nursing skills yeah i i wonder if you got any blowback in terms of you know um nursing can tend to once you're a nurse, you're you're a nurse for life, right? Did you ever get any feedback from other nurses that were negative or was it all like, we're happy for you? I think overwhelmingly it was way to go, good for you. One thing that I thought uh, was really interesting is, you know, my first year in Halifax going to law school, I didn't nurse during the school year. I picked it up again the following uh, summer and then part-time through my second and third year. And when it was a new hospital, of course, for me, I hadn't worked in Nova Scotia prior to that. And when the new nurses that you're just at the bedside with and you're casual and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a full time student and I'm just going to be picking up on the weekends. And they're like, well, what are you taking? And you say, well, I'm going to law school. They immediately thought I was a better nurse, which was terrifying because I was starting to feel rusty. I'm like, oh my God, how do I use a Swan Gats catheter again? You know, like I was going to the policy book, whereas that was always front of mind. 
I'm like, I'm not smarter. I'm not smarter because I'm in law school. I'm getting to be a worse nurse. I'm getting rusty. Please. Um, You might as well have told them you were in med school and then they would have had the same reaction. I don't know if nurses would have been as happy for me, to be quite honest. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if they'd be as happy. See, I think think the transition from like nursing to a non-healthcare discipline brings a different type of weight. I think nurses who tend to leave to another healthcare profession, that, that that's another episode, Sarah. We're, we're not going to tackle that one. That's no, definitely no. another episode. <laughs> but like, yeah, like I think that, you know, if you're moving from nursing to like something non-healthcare, it's just like, you're just seen as this other, that's like, oh, wow. But it's it's kind of sad that, you know, they wouldn't see it from a different perspective too. You know, it's it's almost like you're a unicorn. So they look at you and like, oh, yes. I've never met anyone like that before. And they probably had, at least I would have a lot of questions for you. Yeah. I Well, when I interviewed at my current position, they did tell me when they extended an offer of employment that I was their unicorn because I was a lawyer who was a nurse. And uh, that translation of skills is every day, all day, uh, looking at uh, files that happen to come across my desk or that I'm advising on. You know, in fact, of our team of lawyers at the college, when something's really nursey, so it's a complex competence file, like what the heck are they supposed to have done? Those are the files that I I get to uh, enjoy for the vast majority, just because you understand what the competence issues are by and large, even in a variety of nursing settings. But uh, Sarah, I've just realized I didn't actually answer your question that you asked me about what did I miss about nursing? Did I have any regrets? And I realized I just kind of glossed over that and I just talked about what I wanted to talk about, but I can give you an answer. to Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, I just want to say the things that I miss most about nursing are nurses. And, you know, there's nothing like three o'clock in the morning in a grueling shift and you look over and the five buddies that are log rolling your C-spined patient to clean them up for this hundredth time that shift. I mean, that is solidarity. And I miss that. You don't have that with other lawyers. But I miss the conversations. I miss the immediate intimacy and collegiality that you get when you see bad things together or deal with tough emotional situations together, of which every single nurse, no matter where they work, has a lot of those stories. And so I really miss those what because I was younger then. I called them my wise old women. You know, those women that are <laughs> yeah, 15 no. to oh, 20 yeah. years yeah. older than you. And they just love you and want yes. you to be a good nurse. And those are the people I really miss. So that's what I really miss and regret about leaving nursing. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I hear that. I, I those are Those are the ones that, you know, if you were having a bad shift, they came in and they they helped you and they supported you and they or they even said hey you know sit down I got this for you and you're like yes how did they know so no I, I get that those people are the best that's for sure I remember calling them nurse moms in my head they're yes, like the nurse moms or the nurse aunts auntie <laughs> the new you're like the newbie or like you've just started nursing and they're someone you look up to as someone who always has the answers they're always cool calm and collected you know they never break a sweat they always got it and you're always trying to fake it because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you just want to soak up that wisdom. It's like, oh, they had to say that really terrible thing to that really difficult family dynamic. 
what did they say so I can say it to someone else later? Or right, how no. do they explain how a chest tube works? I'm going to remember that. I miss, miss, miss those former colleagues. Luckily, like you get to stay in touch with them on social media, but it's not quite the same thing. I, I can see how that could be different, like very difficult, a different type of relationship, but nonetheless, they're still there. So that's kind of, that's a nice little piece that you can add there too. Just another question in terms of maybe some, some wise words or some advice. Do you have anything that you would maybe talk to or say to nurses at this time who are feeling burnt out, who are feeling really, you know, it's time for a change. It's time to do something different. Do you have any wise words for them? I wish I did. You know, this pandemic has made me think so hard about what my former colleagues are going through and Mm. what every healthcare worker is going through. But I think I really see it through the lens of nursing. I remember when every night at seven, I was banging on pots and pans with my kid at our window and celebrating healthcare workers. And to see where we are now, two years later, is so incredibly disheartening. So I think the first thing I would say to nurses is, I hear you. And I know you're burnt out. And you know what? It's not your job to fix your burnout. And You know, this is just my own personal opinion, but you can only self-care your way so far. This, a lot of systems are broken. There are decisions being made about how healthcare is being delivered in certain areas of our country. Well, in all areas of our country, but the ones that I disagree with, um, you know, there are some prime examples of governance that is taking decisions, I think, in a manner to break healthcare. And, and it's hard not to see that. Um, I, that's my own political view on that. And and that's my opinion alone, but that is not the job of a bedside nurse to self care themselves out of their burnout, their heartache, their tiredness, their exhaustion. I think I would say, please remember to eat, try to sleep when you can, If you are um, experiencing severe emotional distress, get some help. Go on stress leave if you have to, because unless you're fit, you're not safe. So you have to remember that your first duty is to provide the safest care that you can in the circumstances. My other advice would be, you know what? Elections have consequences and nurses make up a huge part of every population BC has 65,000 registrants with the BC College of Nurses and Midwives. I'm not sure what the total is for Ontario. It's going to be a lot more. Yeah. Elections have consequences. So organize, vote, share with your friends, families, social networks, what it means to be a bedside nurse. Everybody needs a nurse at some point in their life more than once. So all I can say is vote like your job depends on it because it really does. Yeah. No, honestly, Jennifer... That is my biggest fear that, you know, I think we're about 150 days out from our Ontario election. And my biggest fear is we're going to see more of the same. Doug Ford has really ruined nurses out here. My my fear is he's going to be reelected and it's going to be more of the same. And I don't know how many nurses are going to stay after April. Like, I think that we're going to see another shift, another mass exodus, another time where nurses are going to be looking to do something different because this crippling bill that we have bill 124 that caps wages nurses wages at less than one percent and there's other things that even go along with that that it just goes to show that 
nursing right now doesn't mean anything. It means less than 1%. And watching my colleagues go through this, it's it's devastating. And I can't imagine that if if we don't band together, if nurses don't band together, that we're going to see the same thing come April. And it's that like, I mean, I hope the nursing students and we do have a couple colleges and universities that listen, like get nurses out, get them out to be political, get them out to, to be involved in policy and to really make change. Like I think nurses should be banging on doors and going around and talking during this election period and saying, this is what we're fighting for. We're not saying that we're trying to like change. We're not trying to say that, you know, we don't want freedom of expression, but we need to let people understand what's really happening in healthcare, what's really happening in nursing as a profession. And I think that we need to get involved with that process. Like I, I really urge that nurses, colleges and universities really start getting nursing on board to get out there and knock on doors and talk to people about healthcare in Canada or in Ontario, or we're going to see uh, more of the same for another four years. Absolutely. And I think that nurses, a lot of times they don't see themselves as leaders, but really no matter what your role in nursing, you are a leader, whether or not you believe it. And I think it's our duty to vote, but also talk to our loved ones, our friends and family, help them understand why we are feeling the way that we feel and why 1% for the fact that we risk our lives every day on the job is ridiculous. If we look at inflation and what that is, we're really taking a pay cut if you think about it. It's not just a wage cap. So I think these are all very valid points, things that Amy and I talk about all the time. Whenever we get a chance to be on the media, we always talk about how healthcare is political and you need to be educated about what's happening. It's so vitally important in this day and age. I couldn't agree more. You know, nurse, you speak to nursing leadership. Nurses are advocates. And if you don't have a functioning healthcare system, or if you have such unsafe ratios in hospitals between various regulated healthcare providers and patients, you're going to have poor outcomes. You're going to have increased yep. morbidity, increased mortality. You are going to have burnout, frustration, disinterest, and numb people looking after you and your loved ones yeah. when they're when you're in hospital and the outcome of it, that is that the population's health generally will decline Absolutely. advocacy is advocating for all determinants of health and that's not just for nurses it's for our patients for you know in whatever setting that nurses nurse in it is vital you know, we look at our, our Albertan cousins and what's happening there. Mm -hmm. You can't tear up contracts in the middle of a pandemic. Lots of, and you're seeing the outcome of that. You're seeing small rural settings with absolutely no care, no yeah. care, none at all. I can only encourage nurses to be good advocates for themselves. It isn't about money. Nobody is suggesting, is you know, it's about respect. It's about acknowledging the contribution that nurses bring to healthcare, their vital link in all aspects of healthcare. And I think too, it's, this is again, my own personal view. I'm going to have that disclaimer a thousand times during our conversation, <laughs> it's, it's all good. but you know, you don't hear Doug Ford wanting to cut the pay of firefighters and police nope. officers, you know, professions that are predominantly still remain male dominated versus mm -hmm. a profession that is typically female dominated. And I think that the inherent misogyny of Doug Ford cannot be minimized in these types of decisions. And I also think that there's other interests at play about who Absolutely. gets to make money when healthcare falls apart. And I think we're all pretty wise to that playbook right now. You break it and then you can replace it. Um, and nurses need to speak out about that because 
we don't want to have two tier healthcare in Canada. And I don't, I think that that crosses the political divide. I don't I know a lot of people, conservatives get sick, PPC people get sick, the bloc gets sick, liberals get sick. NDPers get sick. The Rhino Party gets sick. We all want to know that we're not going to lose our house, our life savings, our kids' education fund because we got cancer. I a hundred percent agree with you, and I think that this—it's like the time is now, right? We can't keep waiting. We have to get out there and start advocating and start telling people how how bad it is. Like this, some of the stories that we get about the staffing ratios the number of increased falls, like people don't understand that this is all a full trickle down effect, right? It's not like these things are happening in a vacuum. These things are happening in real time and real people are going to get hurt if we don't look at the healthcare system and fix it in a way that is focused on patient safety and patient, better patient healthcare outcomes. So I agree with you. And and definitely, Jennifer, there is definitely some nurse still in you there. <laughs> I can feel it <laughs> all the way here in Ontario. So yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to touch on or discuss today? Goodness, I can bang on about the need for public health care till the end of time, but that's not really why you asked me on. <laughs> no, hey, if you want to touch on it, we can touch on it. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to throw out there? I think the one thing that I would say to nurses who are considering leaving nursing, I think especially right now during the fourth, soon to be fifth wave of this pandemic, is hang on a little bit longer. Wait, make decisions with a clear head. And that doesn't mean don't take a decision, but it means it's a big deal to leave nursing. But that too, you want to do when you're not so stressed or numb or burnt out or just, you just can't bear another day at the hospital. I I truly hope that we're going to move in the right direction with this pandemic and things will start to improve. One thing that's the pandemic has certainly, uh, I think, made a lot of people aware is the value of nurses. And while there's those terrible, terrible, bad, bad people who are assaulting nurses and spitting on them and just belong to this alternate reality. Those people are the true minority and your value is known to a lot of people. And I think with so many people becoming ill during this pandemic, that reach has widened. People are so grateful, I think, for the care that they have received during these very difficult times. So I hope it gets better. I think more people know what nurses do now. I think that this pandemic has emboldened nurses to speak about patient safety, about determinants of health, about how important nurses are in every setting, not just in ICU, but in long-term care. I mean, we Mm -hmm. saw what happened there. So those discussions are happening. I think that there's going to be a real reckoning with what we think about healthcare when it comes through. So if you can hang on, hang on. But if you can't, also know that nursing is still there for you if you want to go back to it. I never felt like that door was completely closed until I'd been out of practice for five years. Now it feels a little bit more closed because I have no competency, no currency left. I just think, oh my goodness, you know, I'm just good at putting a Band-Aid on a skinned knee now. But um, but you can go back. You can go back. Uh, and there's going to be somewhere in nursing for you because there always is. Because it's a job where you can do almost anything. And uh, be an educator, be an advocate, work in government. There's there's room for you to move and grow. So I would just just say, 
hang on. But if you can't, then just think about what you want to do. Look at your own private skill set. What are you good at? And there is going to be a fit for you to take those nursing skills with you to a different job, pretty much no matter what that job is. Wow. Those are some wise words, Jennifer. I am so inspired by everything you've said today. (laughs) You did an amazing job with us. I know this was your first time on a podcast, but we really, really thank you for coming on. I think you uh, inspired a lot of our listeners and I got a lot of information. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you are a gem and Thank you so much for telling us your telling us your story and sharing your story with our listeners on the Greeners podcast. And please, please, we hope that you'll come back on again. I'd love to. Let's talk regulation next time. Super All fun. right, sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's other things we can get into. Yeah, for sure. Oh, what a pleasure! Thank you so much for taking this time with me. I'm I'm really thrilled to have been here. <laughs>